Well, by the way, Doctor, is mystery your sole pleasure? Young man, what could be more pleasant than mystery? Well, music, for instance. Music, why, of course. Yes, yes, one, two, one, two, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Orion Radio. You are now tuned in and rocking with the best. I'm your host, Kia Orion. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. Yo, for everybody who's turning in for the first time, we got quite the show for you today. Um, my guest is Will Tom from Rec Philly. I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, you realize, you know, I talk a little bit about me at first. So if you want, you can skip ahead. I'll have it in the show notes. Great, my interview starts with Will, but... You know, I'm taking that me time real quick. So I'm coming to you. It's Sunday afternoon. Uh, The boys back upstate for the weekend. I came up to see my grandma and grandpa. Um, Excuse me, just my grandma. I'm tripping, dog. It's the Super Bowl today. I'm hyped. My grandpa passed away four years ago. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. I came up to see my grandma. It was my mom's birthday as well. Quick pop-up trip. Uh, Came up with the big bro on Thursday and I'm actually I'm, I'll have a vlog I'm, I've been working more on filming some stuff so I should have a vlog actually coming out on the trip up with the big bro hanging out with the fam um, and you know just getting into the different activities and stuff like that just kind of keeping you all posted with how things are going with the podcast and the YouTube show and the this and the that, and that. I, 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 you know what I'm saying we about that business life you feel me so Needless to say, it was awesome to spend some time with the fam and my grandma, and uh, I just feel blessed. That's also why I dropped the song Blessings uh, this week. You know, if you haven't peeped it, it's on SoundCloud. I'll have it up on iTunes and shit soon, but it's called Blessings just because uh, thinking about life and family, and and every time I get to spend some time with the fam, I do feel um, so blessed just because I know how many folks out there don't have... Uh, you know, are, are don't have a full family or are missing, you know, different different folks and, and don't have a good relationship with mom and dad or, a, you know, a sibling or whatever. And so I'm just trying to stay cognizant, stay aware of um, all the things that I'm so privileged to have in this life while at the same time not letting that um, make me comfortable or complacent and still having that same hunger and drive every day to, you know, want more and to, um, <laughs> it was funny yesterday, uh, we were talking and, and someone mentioned entrepreneurship and I was like, dog, yo, I'm, I'll be an entrepreneur when I make money right now. I'm just a dude with a bunch of hobbies. <laughs> None of this shit is really, you know, kicking me back anything on the side just yet. It's just stuff that I'm doing. Um, because I'm trying to release good content for people and I'm hoping someday I can build it into a little bit more of a business. But right now it's just, it's all just shit that I love. You know, I'm making the music regardless. I'm making the the YouTube show. I'm doing the podcast. I'm just making this stuff because this is the shit that I'm into. You know what I mean? So 
if the goal is this someday, right? That's the dream is to be able to do what you love and to get paid for it. But at this point, it's not like I'm seeing residuals. Nobody's cutting me checks for this shit. It's just, um, I'm just trying to give you all the content because, um, you know, it's something I'm doing. I'm doing anyway, stuff that I'm interested in. And, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's something I'm, I'm feel like I'm finally cutting my teeth and learning the skills that I should have known way back in the day. If I would have had the balls to pursue this sort of thing, um, you know, straight out of high school, but such is life. You live, you learn, uh, you know, no losses, only lessons. You feel me? So that, that's the, that's the type of tip that I'm on. I'm on that type of time these days. So good weekend. I'll have the vlog coming out for you guys soon, but let's get to the bread and butter. Enough about me. Will Toms, my guest this week is the co-founder of Rec Philly. If you haven't heard of Rec Philly, uh, it's a kind of a one-stop shop. It's a creative hub which we talk about way more uh, in the podcast, but in a nutshell, it's a creative hub for artists in Philadelphia, and it's all up at this old, beautiful window, fa- old window factory in North Philly, and so they have like a recording studio in there where one of my my good buddies uh, and my engineer Ben, a shout out to Ben, Benny on the boards. Uh, he does mixing and stuff for them in their recording studio. They have a visual art studio for both for, you know, if you wanted to shoot a video there. They do services, um, f- you know, as far as creative consulting and services. So um, I don't even know what that word is that I just said, but uh, they it's pretty much a one-stop shop. They, they're running out this new membership program. They're rolling it out. It's sort of like, a, as Will says, it's a gym membership for creatives. So... I, I chopped it up with Will at Rec Philly, um, and we just get into it. We talk about everything from his come up to starting a business. He's a young entrepreneur, and he's just dope with it. So I'm stoked for you guys to hear this. This is Will Toms from Rec Philly. Everything you need to know will be in the show notes for this episode because um, it's a it, you know I'll have direct links in his socials and stuff so you can jump into it. Uh, you know, just jump in head first, see, see what it's about. So this is my conversation with Will. Thank you to Will and the good folks at Rec Philly for showing me such good hospitality and Will for, I know he's a busy man for sitting down with me, you know, for, for an hour and chopping it up. So incredible gems in here, by the way, for up and coming artists on branding and strategy. Um, I learned a thing or two. So I hope you dig it. Thank you again for tuning it in. It means the world. Orion Radio over and out. Peace. Episode of Orion Radio. I'm here with Will um, from Rec Philly uh-huh. and co-founder. That's correct. Rec Philly. And so, for those that don't know, um, just tell us a little bit about sort of who you are, what you're doing now, and then we'll get into the backstory. Cool. After cool. That. Yeah. So again, my name is William Tyrone Toms. I am a 26 year old entrepreneur, and um, right now my 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 baby is Rec Philly, um, and and what it is is a company that we built. Um, and it's a two-part company. And essentially what it breaks down to is on one side, we're a traditional creative agency. So we help brands of all sizes solve problems with creativity. Um, and that's from that hip-hop artist who needs a music video or Comcast who needs to let the world know that they're doing cool, innovative things in Philly to attract new talent, right? So that's what we do for them for like South by Southwest, for example. Cool. Um, but then on the other side of our business is the side that I'm really passionate about is we have a creative incubator. 
So we've launched this this membership program that we call the Free Thinkers Membership Program. And what we're doing on that side of things is we have a monthly um, subscription that um, creatives can pay. And we like to look at it as a gym membership for creative people. And what that does is when you, when you um, tap into that membership program, you get access to our studio space, our creative hub that you, we're sitting in right Absolutely. now. Um, you also get discounts to industry services. So we've gone out and found, you know, who is every service provider that a creative is going to eventually need? And we found the people who do that well and the people who are good people, right? right. And um, we've formed agreements where, you know, you get 30% discounts by just going to them and being a member of Rec Philly. Um, you know, we run venues and all this other stuff, but basically, essentially, you know, the membership program is dedicated to giving creatives access to the tools, the resources, and the strategies that they need to be able to build, you know, their career sustainably. Because, you know, I'm really, really conscious of the understanding that right now is a great time to be an independent creator. Right. And um, we knew, I knew that, you know, those people still are going to need resources. They're still going to need the right strategies to do it. So we wanted to kind of be that hub to allow people to, do what they're doing without needing huge institutions like record labels who oh, traditionally, yeah. right, have not been on the side of the creator. Absolutely. And Will just showed me the space. Um, and so I'd heard a lot about it uh, from Ben. Shout out Ben. Shout uh, out Ben Thomas. Ben Thomas, the uh, the illustrious mixing engineer. Um, and my brother had also done some, you know, some, uh, been to some open mics of yours and stuff like that. And so I'd heard about it, but um, I didn't realize it was... I knew it was kind of a one-stop shop, but I didn't realize to the extent of kind of, of, of that it went until uh -huh. just, just coming up here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you've done an incredible job with it. Even Will was just showing me the space through of kind of how it started yeah. in one room and is now expanded yeah. out. And this, and this is what I, I asked Will on the tour, but I told him to save it now for the podcast. Was sort of, um, I also want to get to you personally, but just mm -hmm. for a, a quick background on the company, mm -hmm. So you all started in that one room. It even started before this building. So okay, can yeah. can you just kind of take it back to me Absolutely. on on that trajectory of how it went from that to all of this? Yeah, man. So I'll, I'll try to truncate it, you know, for, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. time. But basically, um, my business partner Dave Silver, shout out to my boy Dave. Um, we started our first business together in 2012, and um, that business was a more traditional, just production company. So at that time, all we were doing was throwing shows and creating content, uh. right? And um, we started that because we always had musician friends, right? We had, you know, hip hop artist friends and singers that were all great. And us always being more attracted to the business side of art, you know, the, the young Rick Rubin right, slash right. Russell Simmons, yeah, whatever have you, right? Uh-huh, yeah. exactly. Those are, those were my inspirations from a young age. And um, so us being attracted to the music side we're, or the, the business side, we're just trying to find those opportunities for our friends, right? We were like, we see this person coming to town. How do we get them to be an opener, an opener. right? Because yeah, yeah. it's so difficult. And um, in Philly, it's just a little tough. If you don't have a, re a network here, it's really difficult to see who's actually about their shit, right? Everyone can talk, but who's actually, Absolutely. You know? So going through that, we're like, okay, we don't have any relationships. We don't really have much re resources, but you know what? We're going to just use what we have to build. And at that time, Dave and I um, were in college and we were both in fraternities. And um, he. Same ones or different no, ones? No, different oh, fraternities. Okay, cool. So different fraternities, different schools. Oh, so shit. he was actually here at Temple um, and he was in a fraternity who had a big house on Broad Street. And uh, I was out at IUP and I had, you know, one of those million dollar houses that you see on movies. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. With the letters on a, the top. Exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. Exactly that. 20 bedrooms <laughs> yeah. type deal. Um, so what we did have was the space, 
and access to, to space. Literally, my basement and his basement were just big party houses. Oh, so gotcha. what we decided to do is say, okay, if we can't get these big shows we want for our friends, we're just going to throw, throw our own. Them. Yep. So off the rip, you know, we decided to start throwing events that would allow other creatives just come showcase their art. And one of the things that, you know, Dave was really good at early on and really kind of showed me was that, okay, well, if we know that we can get all these people in a room, this is valuable to somebody. So he was able to say, yo, I'm going to go to this pizza shop and tell them that we can get 75 people in this room and they're going to be hungry. So they would give us free pizzas because they wanted their brand to be there, right? right? And then we were like, okay, well, we're all going to need water. Do we want to be drinking Deer Park or do we want to go find that other water company? And Vitamin Water was able to donate products. So we started to understand quickly that even just getting people in a room, right, was was very beneficial to product sponsors and all that stuff. So that was the essence of our what kind of foreshadowed our company, right, where we just understood kind of like the art and the commerce, right? The business and the art always have to intertwine, but like Comcast doesn't really understand how to engage with a creative. Right. And a creative damn sure doesn't know how to get that $1,000 <laughs> check from Comcast. Exactly. And we've kind of, we noticed that lane really early and, and kind of ran for it. That's so, true. so Broad Street Music Group was the name of our first company where we're throwing shows. And we literally went and uh, took it out of the basement after I got back from, from school out near Pittsburgh, came back to Philly. Dave and I teamed up and said, yeah, let's take it out of the fraternity basement that you have already going now. Um, and then we started hitting the dive bars and literally being like, yo, we've just been throwing basement shows, but we're at this point where we know that we can you know, bring 100 people out to your venue on a Tuesday. Um, and, and if we tell you that this many people are going to be here, that's, that's how many people are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the artists, it was like, if we told you you were going to go on at 9.30, you went on at 9.30, and for some strange reason, that was like an anomaly. You it know? is, man. Because <laughs> like, you're on 9.30, and you're like, at 10.45, and you're like, so what's going on? Right, you know what right. I mean? So the fact that you're able to do business and, and keep your word, too, yeah. means a lot, especially in a creative space when yeah. everybody's late, yep. everybody's all over the place. Yep. To have a handle on that yep. is a big advantage. And Exactly. And I think people noticed that about us early, and, and we started to build trust that way. You know, and, and when we built that trust, we, we built an audience. And this is at a time where, you know, we're throwing shows in venues that don't even exist anymore, right? And um, at that time, the shows were all cross-genre, too. So we were having a classical cellist who was shredding right after a hip-hop artist, right? Right after a crazy singer-songwriter. And because of the energy, and I think because of just who Dave and I are as people, we always can make that work, right? Yeah. I, I look at myself as that guy who can walk into any room and be able to connect, you know? So we were able to put audiences together that normally would never introduce themselves to each other. Yeah. And um, that just became a special thing. And fast forward two years and 350 shows later, we're like, okay, Fuck. we can do the show thing. We get it. But there was this point where it's just like, we realized that even though we were providing the stages, artists were coming and even though we had the opportunities to perform, they weren't even promoting properly. And it wasn't because they were too crazy ego-wise, they just didn't know how, how. you know? And people started saying, yo, Will, um, can you introduce me to an entertainment lawyer? I don't know anybody. Or, yo, Dave, I don't know anything about distribution, can you help me out here? And we're like, yo, we just throw shows. And at that moment, I think we realized, well, one, we're gonna burn ourselves out (laughs) doing five shows a week. (laughs) Um, But we were like, yo, how do we be more valuable to these people that we care about because all the most talented people we were working with at that time kept telling us the same song and dance. Yo, I got to move to New York or LA because people think in their mind that that's the next step to get to the, where they want to go, you know? And, and that pissed me off as, as a Philadelphian, like, and I love the city. Yeah. It's like, 
I know that the resources are here, without a doubt. Yes. And we've seen it, right? The gamble and huffs to the the era of, you know, the late nineties with music soul child and Jill Scott. It's like careers have been built here. Yeah. So why do we all think that we gotta go to these other ponds that are just way, way more crowded, Ex- right? And more expensive. Yeah. The whole that you know? dude. So for me, I I think that kind of like sparked a, a mission for us. So we we're like, yeah, we gotta show people that it can be done here. Like we are the music city that people you know, have saw us as before. Let's bring that back. Um, and that's when we pivoted from Broad Street Music Group to Rec Philly. And um, as someone who studied communications, media, and economics in college, I was really fascinated about one, how money worked, right? And yeah. understanding the economics of communities, right? And like, it all makes sense in a second. But understanding how communities build wealth amongst each other and things like that, I'm realizing that as black people and also as creatives, we haven't figured that out yet, right? You look at Chinatown, they got the baker, the butcher, (laughs) and they're spending money with each other. Dude, absolutely. Right? Yes. But as creatives, we're at this point where it's like, okay, well, yeah, the videographer thinks he has to go move to LA because he hasn't been able to get the attention of the people here to be his clients. And he's not spending money with the graphic designer to then actually build his brand in a more, you know, positive way and then have that graphic designer spending it with this guy, et cetera. Um, So it was like, I understood from an economic perspective, the importance of that. And I'm like, everyone's here. We just don't talk to each other. Um, so that that was kind of the essence of the, of the business. And then I really started to study businesses like Uber, right? Mm. Fastest growing transportation company. And at their inception, they own no cars, right? <laughs> Airbnb, fastest growing um, hospitality company. And when they started, they own no properties. Yes. So in my mind, I'm just looking at the entertainment industry and I'm like, yo, they haven't understood resource sharing yet. Yeah. Because the whole model of a label was predicated on they had the resources, they had the strategy, and they wouldn't give them to you unless it was through their deals, Absolutely. Um, so I'm like, yo, how can we be one of you know the companies that can build the best and brightest entertainment brands without needing to own them? That's dope, dude. And that's, yeah. and that's such a unique niche, too, because like you said, everyone thinks they got to go to LA and New York. And so I moved here from New York. Wow. And, and in the heart of it, and it's like soul crushing because everybody's there mm-hmm. and everything's super fucking expensive. Yep. And I feel like Philly is, I, I feel like Philly session needs like cutting me checks because I'm getting like <laughs> all my dope homies to come here. That's Just what's because up. it's like, I'm like, yo, Philly is like that spot where I feel like enables you because it's so affordable. Yep. Because it's such a supportive community yep. where it's not so intense that it's like that, um, that grind where everybody's kind of against each other. I've oh. I've battled that though. Okay. Because that 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 is a reality in certain communities still, right? That crabs in a barrel yeah, thing yeah. is so big. Here, yes. You know, the crabs in a bucket thing. As soon as you start to get some shine, somebody's coming for you. Right. Yeah. You know, and and it's more of a it's more of a fear thing. It's like everyone's got a homie that raps. Right. So I can't support your homie that raps because that means that if I help him get an opportunity, that that means that my guy didn't get it. Yeah. As if, like, for some reason, like, opportunities are limited, I, that's, right? Exactly. That's what I want. Yeah. I'm like, yo, just because you're getting... mindset. Yes. Just yeah. because you're getting shine doesn't mean that... Though, there, speaking of Comcast, so there's enough money to go around. Like, Absolutely. believe it. It's just mm-hmm. that idea for some reason that... Maybe it's that competitive element to hip hop. You know what I mean? That's like right. if you get it, I'm not getting it. Right, but but it's it's funny though because it's like yes, inherently in hip hop there is that competitiveness, right? But usually it was always about who's the most skilled. Yeah. Right? But I don't think I don't believe that it extends to like yo if you're successful I can't be successful. Exactly. Because when you look at like what Atlanta has done, right? 
That's they a great get it. Example where it's like, yo, futures are, is up, and like you'll even see that all the other Atlanta rappers are promoting future stuff. <laughs> They're excited about it because if Future can take the culture of Atlanta mainstream, now the mainstream Everybody. is now ready for everyone else to walk through that door he just right. opened. You know, and I think that for a while Philly for. They didn't, we stopped understanding that that's how it works. Yeah. But Toronto, right? Drake blew up out of Toronto. Now I know six Toronto artists <laughs> right. that I'd never heard of. <laughs> and they're all taking over everything. You know, yeah. that's actually a really good point. Um, so, so I want to get into that too, but I also am interested in your personal story yeah. a little bit. So, and I know I don't have you forever. So as far as, um, you so you're from Philly originally? Yeah, I'm famous from Germantown. From Germantown, uptown. All right, uptown. So you're from uptown Germantown. Yeah, growing up, young boy. Uh-huh. Um, what are you into as you're growing up, like middle school? Kind yeah. Of start, like, so so let me give like? you some of the context because um, I definitely wouldn't say I'm like the traditional Germantown young boy. Right? <laughs> okay. So um, I was born Germantown off Wayne Ave. Um, and. Early on in my life, I kind of had some some just family hardship stuff that most people have gone through. But um, for me, a couple key ones that really just kind of changed the trajectory of what I was doing um, is when I was really young, one of my uncles was murdered when he was 16 years old. Um, and, and um, you know, I was like four at this time. Out in Germantown? Yeah. Shit is real out there, man. Literally at the, the end of our block. You know what I mean? Um, so when he was murdered... Um, subsequently kind of connected my, my father actually was arrested when i was really young so he's been incarcerated for over 20 years oh, fuck, um yeah and at that same time my mother was battling addiction so at that moment my grandmother stepped in and was like yo i see what's happening she you know knew from a young age that i was a bright kid and was like yo if i get you off this block i know that great things can happen yeah so that was kind of her mission and she ended up moving us out um later on much later but for by the time i got to like middle school I was already, you know, ready to be in the Northeast. She moved us out to the Northeast and then eventually to um, to Bucks County, to Warminster, which is where I went to high school, which is where I met Dave. And we kind of built our, uh, our, yeah. our thing. But, but to take it back, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm a young kid. Uncle was murdered and then, and then you know. Locked him up. Yeah. yeah. It, and then it was just this thing where as a young kid, by the time I'm in, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I'm from the inner city. But then I get put into Bucks County, which I learned later is the 11th wealthiest county in the country. I didn't even know that. Right? Yeah. Okay, so, and even for listeners that aren't familiar with mm-hmm. the Philly and stuff, so where is Bucks County in relation to? Germantown, right? Yeah. So Germantown is uptown, which is, you know, kind of, you could think of it as northwest yeah, of the city. Yeah, that's I have it in right? my mind. No one ever says northwest Philly, but that's uptown. <laughs> right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then if you go just a bit, let's say 25 minutes more north of that is Bucks County. And so Grams had the the wherewithal to know that that was. Mm-hmm. So did she say, you know what, fuck it, we're out of here and move you guys? Yeah, and it wasn't a direct route. It was like, okay, we're in Uptown. Now we're gonna go to the Northeast because that's a little bit better. Oh, you know, okay, so right? it, was a, it was gradual. And yeah, then you and, kind of and then we were in the guys. Northeast, and like we were there, and this is after my uncle was murdered. But now my my other uncles and my dad are still running the, running around, and at this point they're in there early 20s right so they're still low-key running shit back in the in germantown and we were still close enough for them to do that you know oh, and i think my gym i was like okay no this isn't far enough <laughs> yeah, basically yeah, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we need to get him farther <laughs> right, out here right, right. um so after my, my my father both my father and my two uncles that that were still alive they all were arrested um 
And after that, she was like, okay, we're going far. We're yeah. going to Bucks County. So when I got there, there was just a huge culture shock because it was just like- A lot of white people up there? Tons of white people. Tons of white, right? You're like, tons of white people. Yeah. And in the Northeast, I, I got- you know, some white people around me. So I'm starting to get, you know, yeah. used to it and all. <laughs> yeah. um, but then that was the first time that I was around wealthy white people. Yeah. Right. Different where, game. where it was like, I'm staying over Dan's house. It's like, wait, this is how people live for right. real? Yeah. Underground, in-ground pools <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. And then for me, it was like going to Centennial School District, which is the district I went to. It was just light night and day from Philly public schools. Yeah. Right. And, um, in the context of being in a Bucks County school district, they even looked at my school district as one of the lower ones, right? But to what? me, I'm like, yo, this is lit. We all got textbooks. Yeah, what? <laughs> this, this is lit. Um, <laughs> so but that's what it is. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, it was at this point where it's like, okay, we got class trips and all this stuff that, you know, my family couldn't afford, right. you know? And for me, it was like, I was the, the young, smart black kid that was probably the first smart black kid that most of these kids ever saw. Yeah. And I was super sociable. So I couldn't not go on those trips because my, my social like ego wouldn't, Absolutely. you know, so I always just had to figure it out, you know, and I learned at a really early age how to leverage exchanging value. And I, my grandmother, one of the things that was such a blessing is like, she always had these like Oriental trading magazines, which were basically for people who've never heard of them. Oriental trading is like these like novelty items so you could get like fucking marbles or candles oh. or like anything stuff that grandma's really like yeah those, exactly. those like trinkets, yeah, right? trinkets but in bulk so i was learning that like oh well if i get a dozen of these for six bucks and i could sell them for 10 it's lit but if i can get 144 of them etc so oh. i'm at this point where i'm grabbing fuck it i was that kid who was grabbing pogs and marbles and, and flipping them but then Pokemon came and hit, yes. so I'm trading cards. cards. Yeah, I'm battling kids okay. for keeps. Like, and and you put that Venusaur down at holographic Charizard. You, you, know you know kicking mean? ass. Definitely you had the holographic Charizard. Yeah, um, oh damn! So you had that sort of entrepreneurial spirit from the. I think I think that's where it came from. You know. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was around all these kids who had all these things I didn't. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be right. So I'm gonna find a way, um, and I learned that from my grandmother. Like she, she got, she was disabled, you know, hurt on her job type deal, and then still just hustled after that, you know. And I come from the context of like, I'm the the smart black kid in, you know, for example, only black kid in any of my my gifted classes in high school, yeah. right? I was in the gifted program, right, that whole right. deal. Any of my honors classes, I was literally the only one. It's it's a weird stat, but like I was the only African American kid in the gifted program in my entire district. That's Nuts. You know what I mean? So like that's what I'm up against, yeah. right? Um, and then to take it a step further, my grandmother is hustling by any means she can. She's doing all these side jobs, odd jobs. Like my grandmother was cleaning some of my teachers' houses when I was in high school to make money. You know yeah, what I mean? A like crazy place to be for you, too. right? So to see her hustling, doing whatever she could to make make ends meet, I was just like, okay, well this is how you get it. Yeah. Like, but then you'd also see that you know a woman like her having a son murdered at 16, having yeah. three sons in prison. Like, you'd think she'd have every reason to be she down. She'd give up. She is the most fucking bubbly woman you'd ever meet. It would give you the shirt off her back, you know? And, like, that kind of, I think, I didn't appreciate it as much back then, but now I look back and it's just like, yeah. she bred me to be a leader, right. you know? She bred me to be a caring person. She bred me to be an entrepreneur, you know? Yeah. Whether it was conscious or not, probably most conscious, but... Yeah, you know, um, so that's kind of how I came up, you know, and dude, because that's fascinating, man. I I had no idea, um, and so 
you're, you know, it's interesting even from that, that drive to, because you constantly feel so different. Yeah. But then it'd be like, still want to feel included. You're finding a way to get it. Mm -hmm. At that point, when you're in high school, um, are you... Is it you're always thinking of doing business in college? Are you? I yeah. wasn't sure how. To, right away. To, okay, so yeah. you weren't because a lot of you know meeting on is they're like oh, I'm playing ball or I'm playing. Nah. You're, you're I'm, I'm a right away, man. bro. Like ninth, tenth grade, I'm already in the mindset of like I'm gonna build something. I'm gonna Dope. own something. Like it for me, I don't know why. Well, I guess I kind of know why, but I never had the aspiration of like oh, I'm going to go get that great job. Yes. Right? It was always like, I'm looking at Diddy, I'm looking at Russ, and I'm looking at them turn nothing into something. Yeah. And like, I'd already been doing it. So it was like, of course, I'm not making a bunch of money in high school crazy, but like, I know what it feels like to put something in the world that didn't exist yeah. yet. Yeah, or even know? just flipping things, I think you get that little high. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Or just playing the game, being like, oh man, I made four bucks off yeah. that. Yeah. Like, and to chase that and to know it. You have more wherewithal to know, more than I do, to to that you had that, that insight early to yeah. be able to not go the job route um to, to even go as this far bro me and dave were building we're writing business plans in 11th grade oh you know shit. like we are and we had already okay so i met dave like fast forward a little bit i yeah, met yeah. dave in 10th grade ninth or 10th grade and um we were in a chemistry class together huh. and we got paired up we didn't know each other at this time and they were like yo you guys got to do a group project and uh, we decided to make a video Right, we were both into that, and at that time, I think I was running the TV studio at our school, so like I ran the You're already, yeah, yeah. You know, that's just what it was. Yeah. yeah, we ran. The, I ran the TV studio, and Dave was my weatherman, which was kind of oh. tight. So we had all these like independent study courses, and this maybe is like eleventh and twelfth grade. Um, but when we had first met, we both knew that we were interested in media and like you know video stuff. Yeah. So we did a video together for our first project, and like the working relationship was just so dope. The energy was just so dope. We were just like. Should we be friends? Yeah, like, <laughs> I guess we should, you know, it just outside of school. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and then that was awesome. And after that, we we both realized that like we wanted to you know build lives for ourselves that would allow us to always be around creative people. Yeah, you know, and like literally, we would say these things to each other as early as like tenth and eleventh grade. Like it was like, yeah, what can we do? You know, we always wanted to be around creatives. So our first business plan, I remember, it was Tom Silver Productions, and we were talking about building a production company where we're like you know, 10th, 11th grade, holding meetings after school and kids are staying there to hear what our visions were and we were fucking making videos and oh, stuff. Damn. And it, like, it's always been that. Yeah. Next, it was, um, we, we created a clothing line that never really came out, you know, <laughs> but, don't. Yeah. right. But, you know, we actually got a, a few sales. It's crazy. Um, our clothing line, the first designer we ever hired for, to do it was a guy named Yis Goodwin, who now goes by Nosego. And is like one of the most incredible artists you've ever known. But back in 20, you know, 11, 12 or whatever, yeah. you know, um, we were just lucky to have him be down to do our stuff. Um, but anyway, to fast forward that, we've always knew that like we wanted to build that sort of business. So as soon as we graduated, it was like a no brainer. It was like, mm. what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. You know? So again, now that's how we connect to he started throwing the basement shows at Temple. I'm out. And and so at the at the college that you went to, that's out in Pittsburgh. Um, I went to Indiana University of Pennsylvania, IUP. Oh, okay, IUP. Which is um, one of the biggest. I think it's the biggest state school in Pennsylvania. Oh, and right. it's uh, in Indiana, PA, which is about like 45 minutes from Pittsburgh. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you're out there, um, media communications yeah. major. Okay, yep, communications you're, media. You're doing your damn thing. Um, he's over here. You obviously guys, you stayed in touch. Yep, he's doing amazing. advertising and entrepreneurship out okay, here. Okay, cool. So yeah. you guys both kind of had that. That vibe. And then so then taking it from there, um, 
when you're doing the business stuff in college, is that when, with the fraternity stuff before that, are you still trying to do your independent business, or are you just kind of having a good time, enjoying college, thinking um, of... So, um, y'all, y'all can't hear this, but I'm smiling <laughs> right now, just thinking of back to college. <laughs> yeah, it's good um, so when I got to college, first thing I did right away, I got really involved with the TV studio there. Oh, right. okay. So that's kind of always been your movie. You always known as media yeah, shit. Be- has- and because I guess I skipped this part, like coming up, not having my pop, not having my mom, and like my Gma always hustling. I was like a latchkey kid, right? Uh, Which is you, you ever hear that term? I did, but latchkey kid being like the kid where it was like that had the key to the house, so that way because they knew they were coming home and no one was gonna be there, they're letting themselves in type oh, deal. Oh, gotcha, know? gotcha. So I grew up kind of quick in that in that yes, aspect, just kind of on on your own because right. grandma's out doing her thing. So I'm watching a ton of TV. You know what I mean? Love music videos and all that stuff. So. I think I quickly learned way earlier than most how powerful it was, like how powerful media was. Mm. I'm like, yo, I'm watching this TV all the time and like I, I can see that they're selling me shit, yeah. right? Like I can see that they're influencing culture. And I always thought in the back of my mind, like how dope would it be if better people controlled the media, right? Right. And that's why I studied it. Um, so gotcha. okay, in cool. high school, this is why I'm thinking that. I want to be the guy on the afternoon announcements because I knew that I could influence right. things, right? Then people are seeing your face, that, right. get, that get leveraging that attention. Yeah. You know, which even later. Yeah. So, and, and then, sorry, yeah. but to go then to the TV studio at college, it was like, okay, I want to I produce a show. And I did that, and I wanted, and I wanted so to direct. What, what's, what's that like? You get to college, and, and yeah. you're alone. You know, you're a freshman or sophomore yep. at this point, and you're like already trying to jump in there doing. Yeah, right away. Yeah, right away. I I knew what I wanted to do, and I was that kid who like, you know, I'm I'm a nerd, bro. Like deep down, and like yeah, yeah. I always loved learning. You know, because my I think my GMOT still just the importance of education. So I get to college. I was that kid who was loading up on all my like. 200 300 level courses as early as i could mm. like advisors like yo second semester as a freshman you shouldn't be taking com 351 right, right, right. and i'm like but i can do it i <laughs> yeah, promise yeah, like, yeah, yeah and i would so i got to a point where i got into the tv studio and then my second semester as a freshman um i had the opportunity to join a fraternity okay and um i'll be honest i i had an aunt coming up um not my real aunt, actually, but you know how black people yeah, you are. Call them aunt. Right. Yeah. I had an aunt who was a Delta. And um, quick story, it's funny. She actually was dating my uncle when he was murdered when they were oh. 16. So they were like childhood, like high school sweethearts. Um, but through my connection to her, I understood what Greek life was about. I understood the like community. the community, yeah. the brotherhood, their sisterhood, yes. et cetera. Um, so I wanted to be a Kappa when I came up. I didn't want to be a Q because. Delta or yeah, deltas and Qs are brother sister sorority. Uh, but I I just didn't have the persona of a Q. It wasn't me, yeah. right? I know each. I I don't know a ton about fraternities. I'll yeah. be honest, but I do know that like um they each one has its own like yeah. test type of person. You know, right. it's like the guys that are like fly and fresh, and then they're the ones yeah. that are like like very like straight laced. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah. Like, there's there's the alphas, the alphas there's the Qs, yeah, there's the kappas, yeah, yeah. etc. Um, and me coming up, I was. In high school, the one of the things I mentioned I didn't mention is like I was always into dancing. Like I was literally known in my high school. They used to call me Wu Tang Will, and <laughs> oh, all this yeah. other shit. Like was it just because you're the only guy that could dance? Because basically, all just yeah, like basically kids. that, right? <laughs> but then me and my boys, like the the three dope <laughs> dancing motherfuckers, yeah. we we joined, we um, formed a crew, and people are trying out and all this shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, so when I got to college, I wanted to be a kappa. And um, uh, unfortunately, the semester that I was eligible to pledge, the Kappas were suspended. They were offline, and they couldn't take any any classes. And at that and that or um, 
any pledge classes. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, they didn't know when they were coming back. So I'm like, well, fuck. I, okay. It was my team. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, what else can I do? So I start just going to interest meetings to just see what the other fraternities were about. Mm. And um, made a, a connection with uh, a, a, young, a young man who introduced me to Phi Kappa Psi, um, which is a not, it's not one of the divine nine predominantly black fraternities. Okay. It's, it's a more like that we probably had four or five African-American brothers and a total of 60 brothers. You yeah. Know? So okay, like, got, yeah. There was only a few, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but in doing that, the thing that I think drew, drew me in was every fraternity has like a philanthropy they support. Right. And Phi Kappa Psi's national philanthropy was the boys and girls club, which oh, was dope. something that was always dope for me. Just, you know, understanding what they were about yeah. and, you know, as a that's, young, that's Denzel too. He's he's the one who reps that facts, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So for me, I'm like, oh, well, that's dope. And then you know, all the social aspect of it was dope. So I get to this point where, again, being you know the smart black dude, yeah. a lot of these people, you know, from other places, I was a lot of their introduction to what you know what I mean, yeah, what, what it meant to have a black friend. Absolutely, right? they're like, oh, um, what's it like? So I think quickly, I kind of gained popularity in those circles and I was DJing our parties in our basements which had 300 people in them you know uh, so I had it all I say all that to say I had a blast in college uh, dude I feel like it, it's it's one of those things where I would always like see the folks you have and I'm like that looks like it's a lot of fun yeah. it was just I think you gotta like you said find the, the one that's the right fit for you yeah you know? you I did to. I did also have friends like you know it, that wasn't a good yeah, fit doing part of those like yo those are still my lifelong brothers to this yeah. day, you know, and, and so. And I'll be honest, um, 85% of them, I, I could never talk to them again and I'd be okay with that. Yeah. But I did find, um, let's say my three or four that are my boys. Right, right. Like one that we've we've lived together for the past couple of years. Yeah. The other is the CFO of my company now. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh. Like real relationships. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in doing that, one of the things I, I took away from it that I'll never, uh, you know, I can't trade it for anything is, in Greek life, especially being in a predominantly white organization and, and navigating those spaces, yeah. I learned what it meant to really network and be social and how to do that. And like, okay, well, I don't really like this guy, but I know that, you know, he has something that I need and I have to be able to get through, you know. See, that's a I really that. valuable skill. It, it, I yeah. just feel like especially, you know, as an African-American dude, mm -hmm. all these white folks being like, there are certain situations that this might be uncomfortable. This isn't my favorite Absolutely. thing, but that knowing that your your vision it needs you to be able to kind of be that chameleon in a way yeah. that I, you know, and like you said, it's a good skill that you probably learned in high school is Absolutely. how to feel possibly like an outsider, mm -hmm. but also know how to hang, know how Absolutely. to put that different side of you on, you know. Yeah. So then to fast forward a little bit, um, I. Uh, you got you, Dave. Get together. Broad Street Music Group happens. Mm -hmm. um, when does this space go yes. from start to actually pick up steam and go from that? I've heard stories of South by Southwest from Ben. Yeah. You know, I, so yeah, yeah, there, yeah. I know that there are probably some definitive moments when it starts yeah. to go. Okay, this shit is actually working. Okay, so late 2014, um, literally like November, December, we are in a parking lot. We have the kind of defining moment of yo, we need to pivot this thing. Because um, it's not working? No, it wasn't that it wasn't working. It just, it wasn't scalable. Because uh, this is Broad Street Music Group, okay, right? This gotcha. is, yo, we, were th we just threw 300 shows, right. et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, it was like, okay, well, we can't burn ourselves out. Yeah. And we know that we needed to be way more valuable because people are coming out to the shows, but they're not promoting. People coming right. out to the shows, they're not converting people to be fans, yeah. to sell merch. Um, so we're like, okay, we need to 
be able more to do more. More than show promoters. Yeah, yeah. We, we knew that our, our destiny was bigger than that, You're I right. guess, right? Um, and then we pivoted to Rec Philly, and uh, about two years prior to that, I got introduced to this building. And that was because one of my best friends, who was one of the hip-hop artists that really kind of, you know, made us want to start all this shit, um, he was an artist and he met an engineer who was on the second floor of this building named Kenny and Kenny ran a studio called Park House and Park House was the first time I ever came to the window factory and I'm like yo this is fire like and I started asking Dope questions yeah, yeah and you know how my brain works so I'm like yo man what do you, you pay rent <laughs> yeah, here yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know how cool are the landlords <laughs> yeah, like because I'm in we're in Park House I'm sitting here we're smoking blunts and we're comfy it's as can dope be dope space and yeah. for those you, that you can't see it but it's it's an old window factory it's super dope yep. bright yep. well lit it's yeah. just a cool creative space yep so then fast forward two three years later when we get to this point where we're like okay it's time for us to have a space like i always i always understood not maybe not always but i came to understand that like if you want to see something happen you have to create the space for it to happen right and um i'm like yo if we need to build a community like there has to be a space in which they can interact etc um but before that it was like okay let's we need a room Okay, window factory. Yeah. So I then started asking the right questions. And then me and my buddy, um, Leonzo, we moved into that one room, the first room I showed you. And literally, man, we were, I'll be honest at this point. I don't know if I've told anyone, but we were living out of that room for like a year. I was going to ask, where were you guys living? Yeah, bro. You like actually just posted up yeah. there. You know, wow. um, it was Dave, because Dave and I had, we had an apartment after we both got out of school. Um, we had an apartment in South Philly together and we were building the business out of our basement. Oh, um, shit. And then after that, um, I ended up taking a job working at this place called Fame House and, and all that kind of stuff. I've, and I've heard of Fame House. Yeah, really incredible agency. Um, but before I got into that job where I had a full-time job and I had a salary, yeah, yeah. it was like, yo, we got to just grind. You know what I mean? So at certain points, it was just like, yo, I want to be as close to my business as I can be, and I need to make sure that my, my overhead is low. Right. So me and me and Chris, we Leonzo, we, we grinded it you know, out of that room. and That low overhead is key because you're not buying fancy shit you know what so, i mean yeah so in to be able to split whatever yeah you i'm not, you guys were probably able to make enough from throwing shows whatever the little things just right. to be able to make it just buy, to sustain exactly yeah. just to sustain that's it and every dollar passed it was was reinvested into the business yeah um so anyway long story short that everything was in that one room we built the universe just put this fucking whisper room thing in our lap which basically is like a treated acoustic room so that way you could create a studio environment without having to soundproof the entire room yeah because right? that's expensive and this whisper room thing it costs like to be honest like over 20 grand and literally wow. it was gifted to us from someone because we had to- i told him the vision of like yo next part of our company i'm gonna build a studio i'm gonna have these creatives have access to it and yada 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 yeah. we don't got all the money to do it but we're gonna do it and he's like yo well i have this thing in my basement that's literally in my way and i have to re- renovate it but I can't do it without removing it. So if you guys are willing to come pick it up, you can keep it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Let's go. So then built the studio out of that. And then I'm like, okay. That's when, the room you took me in. That room? Yeah. yeah. That used to be over here. Yeah. Oh, shit. And they just gave that to us. Um, and then after that, it was like, okay, I need a place to do the visual stuff. So I'm like, all right, let me figure out how to put a backdrop system up. So then that was that room. And we ran like that for about a year, year and a half. And then as Rec Philly grew and we started doing the South by Southwest yeah. and things like that, 
I knew it was time for us to expand. And I'm like, okay, I can't be bringing people to this spot where it's like I'm halfway living here and yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So these are my toiletries. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real talk, but that's yeah. what it was for yeah. a little bit. Like, yeah. I'm just going to move my pillow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I was like, fuck it. That, it's a part of the grind. Um, and we got to the point where we're like, okay, now we can get a space where we can have, build the co-working space. And then we're like, okay. No, I'm sorry. Let me flip. We had a space where it's like, okay, we can build a real studio now. Mm. The universe hooked it up. There was a guy who had built the framework of a studio out. He was running it. He got, you know, life happens. He ended up saying that he needed to move to L.A. Yeah. for some some crazy reasons. Um, so shout out to John, mastermind. Um, and he literally comes over to me at, at one day and he's like, yo, man, you know, I put a bunch of money in this time in the studio. You know, the building's kicking me out. I'm going to L.A. And he literally hands me a sledgehammer and goes, yo, dude, just wreck it. And, and that's iron. Oh, holy shit. I didn't even think of the irony of that. But he goes, yeah, dude, just fucking wreck it. He's like, no one's going to eat off of what I've done, you know, yada, yada. That same scarcity mindset. Yeah. Like, I put all my work into it. Someone shouldn't just. Exactly. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, bro, I'm not going to demolish this fucking studio you built. Yeah. No way. Um, and then long story short, he had to, to move. And then I'm like, yo, this is an incredible opportunity now. And then again, me being the social engineering person I am, I knew that there was a studio called Marston House um, that was running in Willow Grove for years. They had been running for seven years. Um, and I had just met the guy, Ethan, who was one of the co-founders. And he told me that they literally just got evicted from the space that they were running their studio out in the burbs because of like noise audience, uh, aud what is it, noise ordinances and mm, yeah, yeah. Um, all that. So he's like, I'm looking for a space right now. And I knew that they had gear beyond belief and they knew the they had the with wherewithal to know how to build a, a yeah. real studio i had no idea um so i'm like look let's partner up i have a space you can have the a room i'll take the b yeah. room you help us build it all because i'm not handy at all absolutely but i know the resources and i'll get whatever we need outside of that um and we formed that partnership and then that was like okay now it's time to go we did that and then you know eight months later built the co-working space and yeah. then another couple months we built the visual lab and so while this is taking place um are you is that uh um so you're 10, okay okay so you're so you're able to you're starting to actually make money at that at this point through those different yeah so let's say we we started generating revenue cool right okay because because we're not making money in the sense that like i'm putting it in my pocket <laughs> right, right, right? right but you're actually having people start to come and yes. use the space here about you yeah so, and, and again, even at this point when we had the studio in the beginning, the studio wasn't the big traction thing. It was always the shows. Mm. People just knew us for the events um, because we still came from the Broad Street Music Group era. And at this point, um, Dave and I both have full-time jobs too, you know, where I got recruited to work for Fame House right. doing digital strategy for Eminem and Ice Cube and all this stuff. And then Dave's doing his thing. And that's when we did the first South by Southwest. And at this time, you know, people still, they kind of heard of us, but not really. But once we did the first South by Southwest and did the first official Philly showcase, we were able to get Lil Uzi before Uzi was who he was now. Get Uzi and groups like Ground Up and, you know, paid, you know, X amount of racks to Freeway, the legend. Yeah, yeah. And he came out and rocked for us. We did that. And it, I think that just turned so many heads. Uh, and that's honestly, that built like the bu the foundational the buzz, buzz that we needed to go from there. Um, and then... After that, things just started rolling, and we're just like, okay, we're rolling with the punches. And it came to a point where at my full time, it was literally, I'm working 9 to 6 at Fame House, and then going 6.30 to 10.30 or 11 midnight yeah. at where David now lived. That was our HQ of the business, and I was just working these fucking 
crazy long days. ass days and um it got to a point where they basically one of my higher ups one of the executives at fame house that was actually at that show at south by the first year and witnessed what happened so he got back and even though they knew that i was an entrepreneur like they almost like it was part of the reason they hired me yeah They're like yeah we know what you're doing by yourself we would love you on our team he realized that I could have been doing more for Fame House, yeah, right? In his I, mind exactly. now, right? But again, I took my paid time off to go do that. I paid for my own travel. It's yeah. not like they sent me there, but they were like, why don't you do that kind of stuff for us? And I'm like, I'm not well, motivated the same. Right. Yeah. It was different. It's like, you know, for Ice Cube, I'm fucking helping a millionaire make another 50 racks this quarter. Like, that's not as exciting for me to help someone go from zero to 50 racks, right, you know? Right. Um, so basically, long story short, they were like, yo, I did a really cool campaign for them for, um, Straight out of for straight out of Compton, the movie. Oh, dope. Um, so if you uh, you know if you remember before that movie dropped, did you see it? Yeah, absolutely. And that, it was a huge rollout too. Yeah, before that movie dropped, the straight out of blank, and people were saying straight out of Uptown. Yeah, straight yeah. Out of, so that that came from our team. Like I was a part of the team that built that campaign. Uh, um, and after that, it was one of those things where they're like, okay, we got another client coming on, Tayo Cruz, who's this big pop star. Yeah. We want you to take it. Everyone around me started getting promoted, so it was like that time, that energy, and. Um, basically came to me and was like yo it's it's you want to do this and that and i'm like you know what i'm actually good with the workload i have you know because i got this whole other thing i'm building right. you know but they don't want to hear that shit no company ever wants to hear an no employee say that it. yeah it's so hard to be honest with employees to be like i don't want to be working for you for the rest of my life no. i got other shit i'm trying to do yeah absolutely yeah. um so that was kind of the the invisible ultimatum and I, at uh, that point i was living with my my girlfriend at that time and i'm just like look i'm gonna make the jump you know and I know I'm going to be eating oodles and noodles for the next two years, yeah. but I'm cool with that because I've been doing it for the last 20. <laughs> right, right, right. Anyways. Um, so for me, it was like, yeah, I'm ready to just to just make that jump and go. And that's when I went full time with, with uh, Rec Philly, uh, which was three years ago now, which is tight. Dude, that's so dope. Yeah. And then about four or five, six months later, Dave quit his job and said, yo, I'm in, in it all the way. He went full time and then... The rest is history. Yeah, rest is history. Damn. All right. So before I get you out of here... Um, yeah, we, got, we got a few more minutes, right, bro. Don't l- rush. Last thing is... Uh, for you know the artists and creatives that listen to this podcast that's and that's sort of who i give it and myself you know for selfish reasons too yeah um now that you're sort of in this space in philly um you have your kind of finger on the pulse what's going on Mm -hmm. what can and i work with a lot of young kids too young guys up and coming rappers what are the resources um available what do you recommend for for relatively broke but yeah. but up and coming artists um to try to get their name out not trying to get signed to a major yeah how do you how do you recommend as a digital strategist getting yeah. some buzz building a fan base in yeah. the city i think the strategy is the most important piece that everyone wants to overlook right mm-hmm. because taking time to learn the strategy isn't sexy to your friends right people want to be like oh well, i just dropped six music videos and I look at them, and they're all garbage. But they think just because they can say they did six music videos yeah. that that's a badge of honor because right. you're producing. And it's like, no, that's not that's not how it works, yeah. right? Um, so I would suggest to anyone who's listening to this is just invest in the strategy first. And the most important part of the strategy is understanding your brand. And like, I hate even saying the word brand because everyone just kind of drags it through the mud and right. they don't even understand it. They just like it because it's a buzzword. Yeah, But... I would challenge anyone to say, instead of saying the word brand, just say reputation, Hmm. right? It's the same thing. And understand like 
who are you, right? First, do the self-awareness shit, right? Do the Myers-Briggs test. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know what Myers-Briggs yeah, is, right? I've taken that shit before. Word. Yeah. And, and anyone who doesn't know what that is, go look it up. It's an amazing personality test that helps you just understand like who you are and, and how you're programmed and wired. ENFJ, baby, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, dope. That's yeah. dope. Um, what am I? Uh, Ian, ENFP. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ENFP, like, ENTP. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but anyway, so first do the due diligence of knowing who the fuck you are, right? And then do a real audit of your resources. Like a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I'm broke. I don't got nothing. But they don't understand that they have an uncle who has a fucking car body shop which can also be a fucking venue if you really want to get scrappy yeah, right like yeah so do a harder audit of what's around you and then start building strategies based off of literally what you have like everyone always says oh well i can't do that because i don't have the five thousand for the music video it looks like that no, okay well, you don't need that yeah start with what you have um and then if you can start to understand who you are you can build your brand and build your reputation around that and for me it's like we now have the internet so as long as you have the internet and you understand who you are, you know how to go find other people like you. Yeah. And then build that audience, build that fan base and, and interact with them. Don't try to be a fucking diva yeah. and like be too cool to fucking like a comment that someone gives Reply you. Reply to people, engage. Yeah. Build a real audience. Unless your brand is like not that, <laughs> right? Because right? right, right. if you're Rick Ross, maybe you shouldn't be commenting on everyone's yeah. stuff, right? But understand that. That's a really good point. You know, yeah. understand if, you know, and... I'll say it this way. There's two different sorts of rappers, right? There's the ones where it's like your image is people want to be you, right? Yeah. That's the Rick Rosses, Drake. right? And Drake. Yeah. Or it's, yo, I don't want to be that person, but I just really believe them, yeah. right? And they could be my homie, like Kendrick. Right. I don't want to live Kendrick's life. That sounds crazy, yeah. right? You know? But you could imagine chopping up with him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's like, is, is the relationship here eye to eye or is the relationship one that's more aspirational? Uh, Most people don't even get that, yeah. right? So I see, literally, I'll see a rapper who will be like, yeah, bro, nah, I'm a, I'm a relatable type boy, this and that. And then he raps about his watch. And I'm just like, and then you wonder why people don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And a, and a fan will just say, yo, man, I don't get it because they can't articulate that your branding is terrible because you're telling me two different stories in one. Uh, well, artists don't realize well, that. To be honest, well, that's a gem word man. that's a gem dude word. like i'm gonna steal that and drop that on a bunch of young kids Do that's it. a great yeah. point point. And, and to illustrate it further like i always use this example rihanna is one of my favorite she's i have a crush on rihanna <laughs> yeah you'll make it happen right? someday you know yeah, right. tell, tell rihanna, Drake, yeah, right. <laughs> Drake to chill real quick. right um but rihanna like as soon as you say the word rihanna in someone's back of their mind they're probably gonna think things like edgy yep she's incredibly sexy and there's a hint of empowerment in everything she right. does, right? And she's been able to use the tool of consistency, which is the most important tool, to build trust. And when I say consistency, I don't mean consistency in the sense of time, right? So forever she's been that. I say consistency meaning in all the ways in which we communicate, which is not just in words, she's always consistent. So what I mean is the music, when you literally listen to the lyrics, they're edgy, they're sexy, and they're empowering. Mm. When she gets dressed in the morning, it's edgy, it's sexy, and it's empowering. When you look at her Instagram feed, every fucking picture is her somewhere she shouldn't be with a glass of wine in her hand in the street. It's her smoking a J. Because all that shit is edgy and sexy, and it's somewhat empowering. Yeah. And it's like, that's how you build a brand. To the point where it's like, you know how Rihanna's going to react to something before she does it because she's giving you so many times where she's shown you that that's how she would react. 
right? Uh, the show Friends. You know if this is a line that Joey would say right. or Phoebe would say because those characters, those brands are so well built. And it's like artists don't take enough time to think about branding strategy. So then that way they can actually get the people they want, right? And if you think about it that way, once you understand who you are and who you're trying to attract, it's going to be easy. Yeah. Because you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to give any, anyone a reason to ever think something different. I can't think anything other than edgy, sexy, and empowering yeah. for Rihanna because that's all she gives me to go off of. And she, she lives that. Like you said, she lives Absolutely. that truth. So that's kind of my perspective. Like, yo, first just understand the strategy of this yeah. shit and then go make fans one by one. Yeah. You know? Engage with them. Go deep. Well, honestly, yeah. this was incredible. Um, what's coming up next for you? What, where can people find you? What's good? Before I get you out of yeah. here, let them, let them know. Cool. So I'm going to talk about this first time I've talked about it publicly. Rec TV is coming. And I'm extremely excited for it. Um, And all I'll say about it is right now we're sitting back and I'm realizing that there's no one place for people to see what's happening in the creative scene of Philadelphia. The blogs that were here don't have the presence they had, so that's coming. And I'm so excited about it. Dope. Um, South by Southwest is coming up. We're right now in the planning of all that. Super pumped. Um, what else? You guys there? still do the Free Thinkers memberships and stuff? Is that yeah, still eligible oh, for enrollment? Absolutely. Okay, free dope. Thinkers. Um, if you want to learn more about that program, you can go to recphilly.com slash join. You'll cool. get all the information about the Free Thinkers program. It's dope. You know, come through. If, you, if you're questioning, I'll give you the first month for free just to show you that it's Hell real. Yeah. You Hell know? yeah. That's, that's how much I believe in it. Um, what about your socials and stuff? Yeah. And if you want to just connect with, with me personally, all my socials are the same as yours should be as a creative. <laughs> um, <laughs> Subtle hint. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Shuttle shot to anyone who's, <laughs> who doesn't have that consistency. Um, but it's The Will Toms, and that's T-H-E-W-I-L-L-T-O-M-S. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, and then Rec Philly is the company, and that's R E C Philly. It's the same everywhere. Word. And um, outside of that, just you know, keep in touch with me, man. I'm I'm one of those same people. I I practice what I preach. You, you tweet me, I'll tweet you yeah, back. Really, really, even quickly to me, and, and yeah, I man. respect that. Thank Everybody, you. you heard it here first. Orion Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Will, I can't thank you enough, my man. You got it, brother. Thanks, Thanks for having man. me. All right, peace, y'all. Thank you.